Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens, and as usual, sitting across the desk from me here in the studio of the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse is Pastor Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening, uh, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who are listening this evening. Before we get to our topic this evening, Pastor, I want to just discuss something briefly that's been all over the media, whether it's the U.S. media, whether it's the Caribbean media, it's on BBC News, it's on social media, and it's been that way ever since New York passed a new law allowing abortion up to birth. I want to share a quote and then get your thoughts. Abortion isn't this inhumane act that deserves the stigma it has. It's a health care service that allows people to live life like they'd like to live. If someone feels that ending their pregnancy is what they need to do, there is no reason they shouldn't be able to, and there's no reason why God would look down on them for it. Despite this, numerous legislators in the United States and leaders around the world continue to limit access to abortion care. Like some church leaders, many lawmakers, and other officials are determined to stop people from making decisions about their own life and the family they want, and that includes the LGBTQ people. Pastor, is it true? Should we be able to choose abortion and expect that God would not frown upon it? You know, I'm listening to the statement that uh, you read, and I think it helps to explain the moral confusion that we face in our modern age, that when you have a person who professes to be a Christian, making such a a horrible, um, ridiculous statement, then you begin to understand why there is such confusion as to what uh, abortion is truly about. Uh, It is nominal Christians like like this, that person who made that statement, nominal Christians with a bogus faith uh, not grounded in Scripture that helps to create the mess that we're in. Uh, The whole issue about abortion has to do with uh, when does life begin? Is the baby a human being, a person? Uh, once you can establish that from Scripture, and, and it's very, very clear from Scripture, both from Psalm 139 and other passages of Scripture, that life begins at conception. So you are a person from the time you're conceived. It is possible to take the zygote out of the body and put it in a test tube and to feed it. It would develop into a human being. So you're dealing with a person. So to make the ridiculous statement that a person should be able to take the, the life uh, within them um, uh, because they want to live how they want to live, uh, again, is part of the modern thinking that all life is about is about me, uh, 
It's about uh, my self-centered lifestyle. And the whole goal in life is is happiness and personal comfort. Uh, that's the dimensions of that person's kind of life. But when you come to deal with the weightier matters, like life and death, eternity, accountability, judgment to come, uh, when you begin to weigh that, um, it takes on a far different, more complex aspect. And uh, you become concerned not just about happiness and comfort. You'd be concerned about your responsibility before God. What does God say in His Word? And it becomes uh, where you begin to look at issues uh, from scriptural point of view to find out what is God's view on this matter. And then you try to live according to the dictates of Scripture. So I think um, a statement like that really uh, shows the the poor uh, state of Christianity that when a person professing to be a believer can make such a ludicrous statement, uh, it tells us that not every person that says they're Christian and carry a Christian name who might have been baptized or might have joined a church is a Christian. And I think that needs to be clear because a person pronounces or announces or claims or affirms that they believe or they're Christian, we must not assume that they are true, authentic believers. We've got to go back to the Scripture uh, to decide what is a real Christian, and then uh, it has to do with Christian values and Christian principles and what the Bible says on the matter. Now, when a government passes legislation like was passed in New York State this last week, uh, allowing abortion and making it more freely available, what should be our response? Should we go out and start bombing abortion clinics? Should we just give up hope and throw in the towel? Uh, we should not give up hope. We should not go out and bomb. But certainly there's a, um, there's a position where we can protest. Uh, there's nothing more important than human life. How can the church remain silent in the midst of this slaughter? I mean, we are now going on to the area, which they call it postmodernism, but it's really an area of neo-paganism, the resurgence of paganism. All of these problems we're dealing with today, abortion, uh, the matter of uh, abandonment of kids, if you read church history, you'll find that these are issues that the church found and, and and was able to use Christian influence to completely change the social structure uh, of the world. So the church really had solved these problems before. Now we have a resurgence of it because the church has lost its moral voice. So now why is it that the church, I'm using the word church loosely, why is it that the church is feeling that in order to get people to come back, they have to start embracing these pagan ideas? Well, that's the myth. The church feels that it has to be like the world for the, church, for the world to come into the church. The truth of the matter is that what makes a church attractive is the fact the church is different. Church history will tell you that. Uh, it was the believers that were different in their lifestyle, in their morality, in their ethics, in their conduct, in their behavior, um, in, even in their, their, their work ethic that was an attraction to the pagans. Why would I want to change my pagan lifestyle if when I come to church there's nothing different? And that's the, the myth that I've got to be like the world in order for the, the world to join me. And the more we, the less we are like the world, the more attractive the church becomes. But the problem is this: the media has sold us a bill of goods that is false. That um, if we take a stand on issues, uh, we are made to look as though we are intolerant, uh, we are biased, uh, we are heartless, etc., etc. Unfortunately, the church has bought into that and consequently is yielded and kowtowed to all these um, perverted uh, forms of morality, including abortion. And let me just say something else, uh, Nathan. We are now entering the era of what you call amoral ethics. Uh, 
morality is dead, the Christian consensus is gone, and the only um, the only factor that can change this is a revival in the church and a transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. No political power is going to reverse this. Uh, we don't need to look to politicians or to look for uh, political leaders. The answer to a moral change is never in the political system. It's always when the church of God uh, is so transformed and uh, lives such a life that it reflects the glory of God, that it impacts society. So uh, I think people are looking for the wrong place for these things to be changed. And, and the other thing is, remember that, um, again, we can't be in the Caribbean, so you've got to mention this slavery. We would have still have had slavery had not people like uh, Wilberforce in Parliament in England uh, bring the atrocities of slavery on the conscience of the British people to bring about that transformation. The problem today is that we have a lot of people claiming to be Christians in positions of power and influence that are ashamed of the gospel of Christ and are more concerned about their position and their salaries and, and, and their own personal well-being than they are about uh, Christian principles and, and, and God's glory. And this is not that we don't have people who claim to be Christians in positions who can bring about change, but it, it, it's more looking after themselves and their future and their welfare than taking a stand on moral and, and moral issues like this one. I mean, this is an atrocity that nine months old, a child can be aborted. And the only difference between a child uh, uh, unaborted and a child that's not aborted, as long as the child comes out, it's a human being. But if I can kill the nine-year-old child in the womb, it's not a human being. If that isn't Jesuit casuistry, if that isn't uh, schizophrenic thinking, I don't know what is. Uh, but people need to wake up, and I do feel that we need to speak out very clearly. I've said on this radio program before, there are more murderers outside the jails of Antigua in the Caribbean than they are inside. And by that I mean that. I mean medical doctors who mm. use all their professional skills to kill innocent babies. It may be uh, legalized murder, but it's still murder. And before God, they will give an account someday. You're listening to That's Truth on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. This is an interactive program, and not only is it interactive, we look forward to your interaction. I am excited and glad that you have joined us for this episode of That's Truth. And as I often say, we don't want it to just be you that's joining us. We want it to be your neighbor, your friends, your family. Anywhere in the world, you can encourage people to listen to us at www.radiolighthouse.org. So go ahead and encourage someone else, whether it be with a quick phone call or whether it be with an email or a text message or WhatsApp. Say, tune in to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. That's Truth is On. And interact with us tonight. Our topic tonight is a cult that claims Christianity in its name, but has denied many key Christian doctrines. This cult has some very unique teachings and claims that even death is but an illusion. What cult, you ask? Our topic tonight is Christian science. Pastor, let's begin by laying the foundation for our discussion tonight by talking about the history of Christian science. Well, um, let me go one step further behind that. Let's yeah. talk about what really Christian science is. Okay. Uh, Christian science, really the terminology or the, the title that's used, is really a misnomer. 
uh, they've got the name Christian, they've got the name Science. It's neither Christian nor Science. It's neither Christian because, as you pointed out, every major tenet within the Christian faith, all the major doctrines, uh, it completely repudiates those doctrines and give meanings to those doctrines that are totally unscriptural and unbiblical. So they play a semantic game. They're using biblical terminology, but they've injected their own interpretations into their, their, these doctrines. We'll talk about that at some later. And then it is not science, because one of the basic tenets of Christian science is that there's no matter. In other words, matter doesn't exist. It's an illusion. Now, everybody knows that empirical science has to do with observation, things that you can actually see and observe with your five senses. And Christian science says there's no matter, so if there's no matter, you can't perform science. So it's really a misnomer, but it's a clever choice of words where you blend words together, and it gives Christian connotations, and it sounds so esoteric to call it science. And so it becomes an attractive name. Wasn't that a sign of a cult when we were talk- starting this series, mini-series, a few months back? was you were talking about the fact that cults will often take words and switch the meaning? Yeah. If you were to read Dr. Martin's uh, book on the the cults, the kingdom of the cults, he has an interesting chapter about the uh, semantic use of, of, of using Christian terminology. So they talk about God, they talk about Christ, they talk about angels, they talk about spirits, they talk about um, 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 faith, they talk about atonement. They're using all the nice biblical words, and they're using Christian jargon. But uh, when they talk about God, it's not the same God you're talking about. When they talk about Jesus, like when we disc- when we talk about Christian science today, uh, you'll discover that it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, and then when we talk resurrection, they use the word resurrection in their own interpretation. It's not a person dying and coming back to life. Baptism is not going into the water and being baptized. So uh, it's a very clever ploy, and that's why um, we have to alert the the audience that because a person is using the title of Christian or speaking Christian terminology, uh, be very, very clear that you ask them to define what you mean. What do you mean by being saved? Uh, What do you mean by by God? What do you mean by truth? Uh, Without getting these matters clarified and defined carefully, you may be arguing with a person or talking to a person thinking on the same wavelength when you're miles apart in terms of your ideology and your thinking and your Christian uh, philosophy. So you've got to watch that. But it's a very, very clever ploy of a lot of the cults. So who who was the founder? How did it get started? Well, the the founder um, is a lady called uh, Mary Baker, uh, somebody uh, called her Mary Baker Glover, Patterson Eddy, uh, because she was married three different times. Uh, but she is really the founder of the of the movement. Uh, she is a lady that was born in New Hampshire in 1821. Um, uh, the thing about her is that in her life, very, very early in her life, um, she had a lot of physical problems, both emotional illnesses and uh, emotional and uh, physical problems, uh, and they often use what is called the new science of mesmerism, which is hypnotism. Mm. That was used with her very, very early to help her resolve a lot of these emotional issues. And uh, so, in uh, having had this, these problems, physical and emotional, and having had these hypnotic um, skills applied to solve her problems. 
they were fairly successful in helping her to become a normal person. Um, in when she was at age 22, uh, December 1843, she married her first husband, a guy called uh, George W. Glover, who was a businessman. Within six months, uh, he had died and left her pregnant with a child. This itself devastated her, and she went into another emotional uh, down um, and became very unstable, almost as an invalid. And because of this, by the way, throughout her life, she's had to use morphine. Not that she was addicted to morphine, but to handle the pain, even though she claimed that pain doesn't exist in an illusion, uh, throughout her life, she's had to use morphine to, to reduce the pain. And then uh, in 1853, June 21st, she married her second husband, a guy called uh, Patterson. Um, he was a, a dentist. Um, Mrs. Mary's dad had advised him not to marry her because of her unstable emotional situation. But um, he went ahead and married her, and then uh, marriage didn't last. Uh, she eventually divorced him. Then a third marriage was to a guy called Asa Eddy. Um, she was 56 when she she married uh, this person. Uh, he died, by the way, of something called cor coronary thrombosis. Uh, uh, and the funny thing about it that she contested the autopsy that he had died from a cardiac problem. And she claimed, uh, writing in the Boston Post, June 5th, 1882, she accused her former students of mentally poisoning her husband uh, with arsenic through mesmerism. So that gives you the mental state of this woman. Uh, but that is basically the person who started the Christian science movement. And she is reputed that when she was sick in 1866, um, she had had a fall and uh, damage damaged herself and um, when she was in the hospital uh, she read I think it's Matthew chapter 9 where it talks about remember when they broke down the, the, the roof and let the man in and Jesus says um, thy faith has healed thee thy sins be forgiven yeah. uh, she said it is then that all of these principles came to her and she got these principles from that particular event so she started uh, Christian Science. In truth and fact, in fact, she never coined the word Christian Science, nor did she found Christian Science. Um, it was discovered that um, she used a guy called Mr. Quimby. Yeah. Um, his his uh, he's actually coined the term Christian Science, and all of his, all of the mind science that she has of of healing the body by using the mind and hypnosis, she had acquired those skills from him. And uh, then she claimed later that she had discovered these. And then when his books were published and they drew a parallel between what she wrote and what he wrote, it was discovered that she was a massive plagiarist. She's almost like Ellen G. White. Yeah. You remember that Mrs. White, who claimed that all of these writings came directly from God and angels had told her that. And then the book came out by McRae, The White Lie, where he lays down what she wrote and parallel to that where she got all these sources from. She never gave credit uh, like Mrs. White, that she was actually stealing information and stealing ideas and, and doing that. She claimed it was directly from God. So we've got a parallel between her and Mrs. White in terms of the abuse of plagiarism. 
Uh, but that is substantially how the movement got started. It was mainly through this lady, um, uh, Mrs. Baker. One other parallel between uh, White and Eddie, uh, Mary Baker Eddie is that they both disliked the teachings of predestination and hell. Yes, yes. I, I read that um, as part of my preparation for this. She, uh, at a very early age, became very concerned about predestination. But again, she's coming from a congregational church, which emphasized um, predestination to hell, predestination to heaven. And she had a hard time believing that she could be predestined to heaven and other people predestined to hell. So that uh, she had an antipathy for that kind of a biblical, that kind of a doctrine, and that apparently made her very um, repulsive to Christianity. And it would seem as though to get back at Christianity, she created a mishmash mm-hmm. of religion because Christian Science is really a combination of pantheism, uh, where God is all and all is God. That is uh, Buddhistic thinking. That is Hindu thinking. Uh, that is also th- the thinking of theosophy. But it also uh, has the element of Gnosticism, where she draws a distinction between uh, spirit and matter. Uh, and really, matter is an illusion. I mean, that was part of Gnostic teaching in the first century. And then she takes this pantheistic idea, she adds Gnosticism, and then she did the camouflage of Christian terminology. Uh, so this, this mishmash, this blend, this farrago she created, she called uh, Christian science. One other thing that I found interesting, but also I think very relevant to mention in our discussion on her, is that as an adult, she dabbled in spiritualism and also the occult. Yeah, there, there is uh, clearly some occult con- connection. And when you read the final thoughts that she had in, the, her, in her book, um, um, Science and Health and the Key to the Scriptures, and when we begin to perhaps analyze what she said about these different doctrines, it is very, very clear there's an evil uh, infernal spirit behind her teachings and her doctrines because they're so contrary to biblical truth. The source is not God. And if the source is not God, every false religion that has ever been created behind that false religion are spiritistic dynamic powers, including the great one himself called Satan. Uh, uh, Paul made that very clear that behind paganism is demon worship. And Paul talks about doctrines of demons. So when you when you have a religious system that is so alien uh, and so contrary to biblical truth, even though it's sprinkled with biblical terminology, you know quite clearly that it's not of God. And behind this is the infernal spirit who is trying to create uh, a counterfeit to the real thing. What kind of claims does modern Christian science claim in relation to her uh, do they claim that she was inspired? Yeah, um, let me mention five things in terms of the what they claim about her. Uh, they single her as the person that God has used to reveal um, Christ in this age, and she is the foretold comforter. You know, our Lord said the comfort is going to come. She wow. is the comforter, okay? But she is the one that uh, is the final voice. Uh, that God is speaking to in this age. Now, where did we get that before? <laughs> Every major, Ellen yeah. G. White, the final voice. Uh, Joseph Smith, the final voice. Yeah, J.W. J.W., the final voice. Now we've got another final voice. And I would like to say uh, to those who are listening, 
This is why it is so important to, again, reassert that the Bible is totally complete. There is no future revelation. There are no prophets who are going to give future revelation today. The Bible is totally complete. The moment you open the door to allow the prophetic gift to continue and that revelation is being given today, you've opened a Pandora's box that is going to create so much confusion. And that's where we are today in the religious world because we have not accepted the finality of Scripture. And by opening the door to alternative revelations, and um, what you might call superior revelations that these people say. Uh, we've got all this religious confusion today. Uh, the other thing is that uh, she is the one that gives the full and final revelation of truth. She's the subject of St. John's vision. You know that um, the lady in Revelation chapter 12 that the dragon tried to slay? She is the lady in that, in that verse. She's the one also who has the key that I uh, said that Christ has the key in chapter 3 of Revelations. She is the key. That's why she got the key to the Scriptures. Uh, that's what they believe about. Also, um, she is portrayed as the woman in Revelations chapter 12, and she also exemplifies God's motherhood, while Jesus exemplifies God's fatherhood. Uh, she is God's appointed and God's anointed messenger for this age, and um, her mission uh, is vital to understanding Scripture. That's the elevated view that the Christian science um, movement has of Mrs. White. She is really, in a real sense, she is the prophet for this age. And again, we, we've seen that repeat itself again and again as we look at these major cults. You're listening to That's Truth, and the voice that you're hearing is <coughs> that of Pastor Dr. David Murphy, do you have a question for Pastor Murphy? Do you have a comment or a thought? We would love for your interaction on the program. You can call us and be put live on the air. The phone number is 268-462-7420. I'll give that to you again as you unlock your phone. 268-462-7420. Maybe you'd rather not speak live on the radio, but you have a question and you want to send it via WhatsApp or text message, you can do that. The phone number for WhatsApp or text is 268-782-1454. Or if you have joined us on Facebook Live, you can comment your question as a comment on the video feed, and it'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy. Pastor... Nathan, yeah, let, me, let me just add about this guy, uh, Quimbley, mm -hmm. where she got all this information from. Uh, Quimbley was a self-professed healer, and um, he applied the what's called mesmerism or hypnosis. And the king about it is that he, he, he taught a, a method of healing that by changing the thoughts in the mind, it affects the physical body. And uh, this is why Christian science really is a science about healing the body through uh, transforming the thoughts in the mind. When uh, she had the back problem in 1862 and she had the injury and she turned to Mr. Quimby, um, he was really able to help her going through the, the, this uh, hypnosis, put her through hypnosis and, and help her. She wrote a letter to the Portland Evening Courier and she praised Mr. Quimbley, comparing him to Jesus Christ, that he almost had that kind of a power uh, to him. Uh, as I mentioned before, a lot of this only came out when a guy called Horatio Dresser published the Quimbley Manuscripts. 
It is only when that came out and people began to compare his manuscripts with her science and health key to the scriptures that they began to realize that she had stolen all of his thoughts, all of his ideas, and that she had actually not coined the term uh, Christian science. It was a wake-up call, uh, but again, like people who are in, engaged and accept a cultic movement, even though they could see the parallel, it's like, again, it's like the LNG White situation. I mean, anybody can buy the white lie today and see what she wrote and see where she got it from and realize that this woman was not a prophet. But again, to, to renounce that is to call the whole system to crumble. Yeah. So uh, even though the evidence is there, you put so much of your life into the movement to renounce uh, her plagiarism, to renounce the fact that she was not a prophet. Now everything crumbles because, remember, the Seventh-day Adventist is based on one thing, the investigative judgment. That myth came out of Mrs. LNG's writings. They is ba- they're based on the, uh, the the Sabbath as the day when she went, was taken to heaven and she saw a halo around the fourth commandment. Again, that has to be dispensed with. So what happens then? The system collapsed. So uh, the evidence is there, but it's like burying your head in the sand thinking that, well, you know, I already believe this. I can't change my belief. That is a dilemma that a lot of cults find themselves in, including the Christian science people. When all of this data came out, this information came out, the proper thing would be to uh, retract what you believe in, uh, turn away from the system, turn to the Bible as the final truth. But again, I've invested my life in this, and uh, it's sad to believe that this still continues till today. It's an amazing uh, system. You mentioned Horatio Dresser. I want to share a comment or a a quote from him, and this makes me think of the modern-day progressive Christians who are claiming to accept all kinds of ideas. Dresser wrote, The old thought was undeniably pessimistic. It dwelt on sin, emphasized the darkness and misery of the world, the distress and the suffering. The new dwelt on life and light and pointing the way to the mystery of all sorrow and suffering. Yeah. It's like today, people talk positivity. Yeah. Uh, you're not to say anything negative. Uh, it's really not biblical Christian. There's always an antithesis in Scripture. You read Paul's writings. Uh, he always would use, I don't want you to be ignorant. And then he gives you the positive. Throughout Paul's writing, it's a negative and positive, negative and positive. Today, people want only positivity. Okay. So it's a, it is really a distortion of Christianity. But the dilemma, brother, uh, brother Nathan, is that the Christian church has bought into this narrative. And, and this is where it's the real heartbreaking thing that the Christian church has fallen into it and have seen to accept it because the media that we are surrounded with is bombarding the Christian mind again and again and again. It's like, how do you change people's mind if they're open to eight hours of non-Christian philosophy and they're only given two hours a week on Sunday to Christian? Which is going to win ultimately in terms of transforming the mind? And that's where we are today. So we've got to shut the voice of the world out, get back to Scripture to develop a Christian worldview. But... Wouldn't you say, though, in fact, I think I remember you saying that when we were talking about depression, that negative thoughts can affect your body and even 
uh, affect your your physical wellness. So is that not just the same philosophy as what they're teaching? No, it, when we begin to, to look at, um, they say there's no sin. Okay. That evil is a mirage and stuff like that. You do have to give. Now, I'm not saying that we must not give positive thoughts. I had right. a call from overseas today. And uh, a young lady is dealing with a person who is uh, somewhat depressed, very, very depressed. And she was asking me, uh, Pastor, what do I do? And one of the things I really told her, I said, you know, number one, um, I, the person needs to do, get a medical test to make sure it's not an organic problem. Is the thyroid mind functioning? Uh, You've got to know also what's going on in the circumstances of the person's life. Uh, was there a failure? Was there a loss? Uh, was there a romantic breakup? Uh, did somebody die? Uh, did they lose a job? There has to be a precipita precipitating cause. But then uh, I also pointed out that the, one of the main things the person can do, now remember these two people overseas trying to, to help, you've got to give the person hope. A person who's in depression has lost a sense of well-being and hope. They, they're like they've given up, they're in despair. They feel that they're lonely, nobody loves and nobody cares. Uh, they feel as though the world is against them. It's closing in. So the only answer to that, you've got to give them positive teaching. You've got to give them hope. Where does that hope come from? God, see, mm -hmm. what people do in in in, in uh, and uh, <laughs> it's pathetic. They run to the psychiatrist, and I'm dealing with another case now uh, of a similar thing. The psychiatrist is not the answer. The psychiatrist basically knows how to give you pills. He wants to sedate you so that you calm down. But the side effects of those drugs that they give you, unless you, I would suggest to anybody that goes to any psychiatrist and give you a particular drug to take. The information age is here. Google it online and see what are the side effects. What is the purpose of the drug? Why am I being given this drug? And in a lot of cases, when people do that, you begin to realize that these drugs are not the answer. They're not the answer. When a person breaks down through a depression, it means that they've run out of resources. Their nerves don't break down. Nerves don't break down. It's just that they've run out of resources, uh, and therefore they don't know how to cope. So you've got to rebuild uh, strength in them. And for a Christian, you rebuild that strength through giving them hope in God, in prayer, in reading of Scripture. Uh, and then, of course, you might need to work with a medical doctor if this is the, the, the depression is severe. Uh, but again, it, it has to be a joint effort to wean the person off the drugs rather than keep them in a state, a comatoid state almost, where they're like zombies in a house, and they can't function, etc., etc. Um, but positivity is important. I'm not disclaiming positivity, but in a case of depression, what the person needs is hope and the need to feel loved and that people really care about them. Uh, that's how you bring a person out of depression. You don't bring them depression out of giving them pills. That only works on a medical condition to re redo, uh, put the, the, re uh, the, the imbalance, correct the imbalance. But that cannot be perpetuated, living on drugs all the time. You've got to bring the person back to normalcy. Are you enjoying Pastor Murphy's teaching style? Do you live in Antigua and you're looking for a good Bible-preaching church to attend? Let me encourage you to visit Grace Baptist Church in Upper Gambles, Antigua. Grace is the church that Pastor Murphy pastors. It's located on Rowan Henry Street in Gambles. And the Sunday school starts at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. and Sunday evening service at 7 p.m. Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. 
We have prayer and Bible study alternating on the two different, uh, on every other Thursday evening. Again, we're not trying to take you away from your church if it is a Bible-preaching church, but if you don't have a church, let me encourage you to come out and visit. Do you have a question for Pastor Murphy? 268-462-7420. That's the number to call to be put live on the air, or if you want to WhatsApp or text your question, you can send it to 268-782-1454. Pastor, we have a question that has come in uh, via WhatsApp, but I'll share that in just a minute. Let's discuss for a minute the character of the founder, Mary Baker Eddy. Well, uh, I think that if you're dealing with religious leader, I think it's important that, um, and it's legitimate, that uh, investigation into the person's character uh, is a song principle because the person is asserting uh, certain matters about God and truth. So I think it's important to look at the person's character. Uh, Mrs. Baker uh, seemed to be a person of questionable integrity. Uh, there are a lot of things about her that leads one to question uh, how truthful she was. Uh, and let me just share a few thoughts with you. Uh, for example, when you claim that you have discovered the name of Christian science, when you claim that these ideas are yours, that God gave you those ideas, and then it is discovered uh, that the evidence proves to the contrary, and you do not retract that, uh, you are not only a prevaricator, you are a strong, adamant liar. And in the case of Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Baker, uh, clearly, um, she is making false claims that are not true. Uh, the other thing about that, in her autobiography, for example, she claimed that she was 12 years old when she was part of the Tilton Congregational Church that her parents attended. Uh, the truth of the matter is that the records of that church indicate she was not 12, she was 17. So there is some disparity between either uh, she made a mistake, but again, she had chance to retract that, but she never did. Um, when she divorced her second uh, husband, Mr. Uh, Patterson, in 1873, and married Mr. Asa uh, Eddy, her third husband, she gave her age that she was 40 years old, but actually she was 56. So if I was a man <laughs> marrying her, I would have been terribly disappointed. <laughs> but that gives you an idea how she, how she plays fast and loose with the truth. Uh, in 1907, she made a sworn statement that her taxable property was $19,000. The actual value of her property was a million dollars. I mean, you can't you can't confuse 19 with a million dollars. There's something really wrong there. But again, these are all facts that can be uh, be checked up. The other thing that she made some extravagant claims about her system of healing that you didn't have to go to doctors, the dispensable, and that by a process of mental uh, metamorphosis, basically, uh, and you're changing your thinking, uh, it would affect your body. But here's a woman who had recourse to dentists. Here was a woman who um, went to physicians, and here's a woman for most of her life was dependent on morphine, but yet she has come up with a, a system that is supposed to dispense with all of these things because everything is an illusion but spirit. So uh, sickness is an illusion, but yet 
she, you could make that claim, you could pronounce that, but you can't live that way in real life, as she discovered to her dismay. And then uh, one of the things is she had a very, very low view. In my, she would get married three times, and if I knew that this was your view of marriage, I probably would not marry you. For example, she said of marriage, marriage is a temporary engagement to be regarded only as long as we believe in mortal mind. I mean, what does that mean? She also said in 1906, she described marriage as legalized lust. I would want to know uh, when I'm marrying a person like that, what her thinking is about marriage. Uh, and then the other thing is she claimed to raise people from the dead. Wow. I mean, there's no evidence she raised anybody from the yeah. dead. So this is a woman that um, is either mentally unstable, uh, demonized in her thinking, uh, and clearly a person who's a false prophet and making false claims that God has called her and she's the final voice for this final age. Uh, those bogus claims, uh, and when you look at the things she's making, these kind of claims, something is wrong in terms of her integrity and her honesty and her probity. And that in itself is worthy of knowing because of the claims she's making in relation to certain religious truth. Something else that goes along with her credibility, in 1904 when the New York Times published an article very clearly laying out her plagiarism. She dug her heels in and she claimed that she had been healed, uh, had found this medical, physical healing technique three days after a fall on icy pavement. She claims that she had been given only three days to live by medical authorities, but was restored to health through metaphysical healing techniques she discovered. The doctor who treated her, Dr. Elvin M. Cushing, contradicted her claim, stating in an affidavit, affidavit that she had, been, had not been in a critical condition nor near death, and he saw no such miracle of which Eddie spoke. Yeah, that is also confirmed in um, Dr. Walford's book, The Kingdom of the Cult. He, he makes an allusion to that. As a matter of fact, he actually has parallel uh, quotations in his book between her writings and this guy, and also she, he dealt with that claim that the doctor disclaimed the fact that she was ever going to die. Uh, she was never seriously or terminally ill. So this this bogus claim that she only had three days to die, but it gives you an idea of the, the frame of mind of this woman. She has the capacity to lie, and she does it with such soberness that she is either uh, mentally um, ill of some kind or she is a deliberate liar. Uh, you choose, but uh, there's something certainly wrong with a person who can make those kind of statements so boldly. Pastor, can you clarify, when we were talking about Ellen G. White earlier, you referenced that she was taken to heaven. Can you clarify, did she really go to heaven and see the Lord? That's her claim. Uh, as a matter of fact, and don't forget, she also claimed that she was taken to heaven, and when she got to heaven, she saw the tabernacle, basically, and then she saw in the Holy, the Holy of Holies, and then she, you know, we've got the mercy seat, and when that was open, she saw the Ten Commandments, and she saw the Fourth Commandment had a, a halo of glory around it. Uh, it is substantially that that is emboldened the Seventh-day Adventists to really push this, this, uh, this, this uh, Seventh-day belief about the Sabbath being the, the, uh, the day of worship. But without that, 
you don't have the basis, the theological basis. Uh, remember that Adventism uh, basically is built on the superstructure of Bible plus the writings of Ellen G. White. They see her as the, the prophet, and they see her as the one in um, Revelations, the spirit of prophecy, refers to Ellen G. White. So, uh, but again, when you compare her writings, uh, and, and I will. I hope that anybody who's listening who who doubt what I'm saying, do go online and purchase the book called The White Lie. If you're a Seventh Day Adventist, I dare you to buy that book or purchase that book, and see really in truth and fact if what she wrote were directly from God or given to her by angels. You will see very very clearly that is copied from other people's material. As a matter of fact, her secretary was really very repentant when all of this came out, that she was part of the complicity of hiding the fact that she knew that a lot of these things were not from God, but she had written, uh, allowed Madeline G. White her, her power over her mind to actually be, be part of the whole deception. We've talked about the history, the founder, the reputation or character of the founder. Let's talk some about the core teachings of Christian science. Well, let me just uh, give you an, um, a summary of the... There's a scientific statement of being that is read in the Christian Science Church regularly. And this kind of sums up what they believe. I'll just just give you what they say in this statement that has to be read and repeated in the church. And then maybe we can look at some of the individual teachings. Uh, here's it. There is no life, truth, intelligence, nor substance in matter. Okay, it says matter just as an it. We'll come to that in more detail. All is infinite mind. This is things that they have to repeat as their uh, scientific statement of being is repeated. All is infinite mind and its, and its infinite manifestation, for God is all in all. Uh, third, spirit is immortal truth. Matter is mortal error. Spirit is the real and the eternal. Matter is unreal and temporal. Spirit is God, and man is his image and likeness. Therefore, man is not material, he is spiritual. And then they have a, a pronouncement about God. Uh, Christian science uh, refers to God as the father-mother rather than the biblical father because man was made in the image of God, of God and you got male and female. So this idea, you know today they're talking about... Um, the gender rights in the Bible, yeah, and uh, they're saying uh, basically in some places about uh, God is both a father and a mother. Well, she was way in advance of them many, many years ago. So rather than call God the Father, they address Him as Father, Mother, God. Uh, but those are the core principles. That basically, that God is all in all, which is pantheism. That ultimate reality is spirit. That matter is an illusion. Uh, that man is made in the image of God, therefore man is not material, man is spiritual. Uh, again, this is a philosophy that is so esoteric. I mean, this doesn't harmonize with factual reality as it is. This is a fantasy. But the funny thing about this is appeal to a lot of intellectuals, and especially the upper middle class in America, uh, and the elite group has found this to be attractive. It's almost like the um, Tom Cruise, the, the group he's part Scientology. Of. Scientology. It's that kind of a religion. They, it's not biblical religion. It, it's just religion that eventually will deify uh, man and make man God. This is part of the mind science. As a matter of fact, Christian science is the matriarch 
uh, of the mind sciences, all the whether it be uh, Christian science or whether it be uh, religion and science, and all these different uh, scientific movements that began that are of religious flavor. Uh, Christian science really is the mother of most of those. So, they say that matter is just an illusion. Yeah. Uh, again, you and I uh, know that I'm before a microphone. This is a microphone. I can I can say this illusion as much as I want to, but if I butt my head against it, I know it's there. But uh, again, it has to do with the mind, trying to transform the mind and bring the mind to such a consciousness that the material world doesn't really exist. The whole idea and the whole purpose in life is for to get this God consciousness, to become so united. That's what the atonement is. The atonement is becoming one with this world consciousness. And and by the way, God is not a person. Uh, God is a power. God is an influence. Uh, it, it's esoteric philosophy, uh, as I, and, and also it goes back to the, uh, the Gnostic problem the first century church held uh, had to deal with, Paul deals with it in Colossians, where virtually they tried to, to make it clear that matter didn't matter, what was important was spirit. So that brought the church to the point where people could indulge their flesh because that had no significance whatsoever, and of course that broke down morality. Uh, and uh, but this is kind of the same kind of teaching that you got uh, with LNG. I mean, with this um, Mrs. Baker. To say that, in my mind, to say that matter is just an illusion. I mean, all you have to do is go stand in the middle of the road, and <laughs> an income oncoming vehicle when it hits you, uh-huh. that quickly will wake you up to the fact that it's not just an illusion. Uh, that's like that's like saying that she said. Uh, life is a, a death is an illusion. Yeah. You don't die. I mean, people don't die, but she's dead. Yeah, right. I wanted to, uh, in relation to sickness and death, just read this paragraph. Sure. In the New York Sun, in December nineteenth, eighteen ninety eight, Mary Baker Eddy challenged the world to disprove that she had healed a variety of serious illnesses, including cancer. So Dr. Charles A. Reed, who would later become the president of the American Medical Association, offered to present Eddie similar cases for her to heal. He affirmed, if she, by her Christian science, shall cure any of them, I shall proclaim her omnipotence from the housetops. And if she shall cure all or even half of them, I shall cheerfully crawl on my hands and knees that I may touch the hem of her walking dress. Eddie refused Dr. Reed's offer. Well, I mean, uh, wouldn't you? (laughs) (laughs) It's one thing to make a statement in a book or write a statement in a book. It's another another matter to deal with reality as it is. Uh, and, and this is the fiction of Christian science. By the way, let me just say to the audience, uh, I, I'm not too sure if there are any Christian science churches in Antigua, but I do know that there's a, a, a very, um, there's a, um, I'm not too sure how large it is, I'm not sure how many in Barbados, but the first time I came into contact with a Christian scientist, um, I was about maybe 16 or 17, and there was a young man that had, professed to be converted that was going to discern church I, I was going to. One thing bothered all of us is that um, uh, he wouldn't get baptized. That bothered me. Why, why would you not get baptized? And he was a guy who was trying to be intellectual. Um, 
he wanted to show some semblance of superiority. Uh, he didn't do extremely well in his academic results, but clearly uh, he had this high estimation of himself. Well, I later discovered that uh, this same guy is now the head of the Christian Science Movement in Barbados. Wow. And that shocked me. Uh, I, I still remember his name. His name was um, Andy. I wouldn't give the last name because he was on the radio. But he now heads up that particular movement. Now, how he can move from the orthodox, fundamental Christianity of the Bible to embrace uh, this metaphysical science of uh, Christian science um, really baffles me. Uh, so I, I, I mentioned that to my son, and um, I, I, I said to him, this guy cannot be a Christian. Uh, he might have used the term and he might have made a decision, but he's not a believer. He's certainly not a Christian. You cannot look at what Christian science teaches and what the Bible teaches and not see the clear disparity between the two. Uh, so we've got to be very, very careful of people who profess Christianity. Uh, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And the evidence that there's a true, authentic Christian faith is what happens after in the life of the person, and especially what principles of, of, of uh, they hold to in the scriptures. So you're saying that Christian scientists are not Christians? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's, not, there's nothing there in Christian science that, maybe the, maybe the title, the name, the appendage to it, but they, they, there's not a single person that can claim to be a Christian scientist that is a genuine Christian. It doesn't exist save in the convoluted minds of people today. But here's the defense from a the writings of a Christian scientist. We acknowledge that Jesus as God's Son, and we believe in the virgin birth and the resurrection. Christian scientists believe in all of Jesus' so-called miracles, although they believe them to be the natural expression of God's law and not supernatural or miraculous. Christian scientists take to heart Jesus' command to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons from Matthew 10, 8, which can be found on the seal of the Christian Science Church. So surely they're Christian. No, they're not, because, uh, again, when we begin to ask or they say they believe in Jesus, they believe in the resurrection, they believe in the virgin birth. So when we go to her book, remember that her science and health and the key to the scriptures are inspired. Uh, God gave her this final truth for this age. And you cannot interpret the Bible properly, properly unless you have that book to aid you and assist you. So what we'll do when we begin to look at the beliefs, you'll begin to see the... Jesus and Christ are two different persons in Christian science. Uh, Jesus was the man. Christ is the Christ consciousness spirit. It's just, it goes back to Gnosticism in the first century. Uh, when, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, let's take the time. We've got about 30 minutes left in the program. Let's go ahead and walk through these beliefs. I guess it makes sense to start from the Bible. What, what do they say about the Bible? Well, they claim that the, they accept the Bible as inspired. Uh, but then again, uh, she mentions uh, in connection with the Bible that there are several things that are false in the Bible. And I want to I want to uh, read to you directly some of the things that she said about the Bible, and this is found in her book, um, Science and Health, Key to the Scriptures. Uh, she claimed that the, uh, the Bible is the, uh, the only guide that they use, and it's an inspired Word of God. Uh, she claims that. Uh, but yet, 
listen to some of the things that she wrote. The material record of the Bible is no more important to our well-being than the history of Europe or America. Wow. <laughs> now, I mean, this is a statement coming directly from her. She said of Genesis 2-7, Is this addition to creation? This is when God made man out of the dust of the earth. Now, remember, matter doesn't exist. It's an illusion. So now, because that isn't there, now remember that in Genesis 1, there's an account where God created and they're not giving the details. Mm-hmm. Then in chapter 2, God now goes back and explains how he did it. She is saying, is this addition to scripture, to creation real or unreal? Is it the truth or is it a lie concerning man or God? I mu- it must be a lie, for God presently curses the ground. So she's saying that Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, that recounts the creation giving the details, is a lie. It's, it's false. Why? Because it is said that God created man out of matter. But matter doesn't exist. Only spirit exists. So Genesis 2, 7 is false. Okay? Um, so she said that the Genesis chapter, th- chapter 2 statement is the very opposite of scientific truth. And um, it's impossible, really, for, for God, a spirit, to create out of matter. That is an example of the 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 um, the ambivalence that she has towards Scripture and the forked tongue with which she speaks. One moment is the inspired Word of God, the next moment, this can't be true. Why? Because it goes against Christian science, therefore it must be a lie. So you are quietly there undermining the integrity of Scripture and your faith in the infallibility of scripture. One of their authors wrote, the only way to ascertain the proper spiritual interpretation of the Bible is to use Eddie's science and health with key to the scriptures, that's the name of her book, as a guide. And she claims, or boasted, the works I have written in Christian science contain absolute truth. Yeah. Along with that, let me read a statement, uh, same line. She, this is what she said as well. It said, it was not myself uh it was not myself, but the divine power of truth and love infinitely above me, which dictated science and health. I should blush to write this book, as I have, were it of human origin, and I apart from God is author. But as I was only a scribe, echoing the harmonies of heaven in divine metaphysics, I cannot be super modest in my estimation of Christian science. I mean, this is an egotistical lady who is, I mean, I would be embarrassed to make a statement like that uh, as an individual, but uh, she said basically here, uh, I would be super modest to give you a a smaller estimation because this has come directly from God. I am not the one that wrote it. Uh, God spoke to me. As you said that, I couldn't help but think about the fact that she had dabbled in the occult and that you had mentioned that uh, there was an infernal spirit behind when you start comparing all of these teachings together. Yeah. This is, this is uh, you know, it might be good for those who are listening uh, that we would go through a lot of these cultic teachings, but we're seeing certain commonalities that uh, in a lot of these cults. Here's a woman claiming extra-biblical source of knowledge that was given to her by divine inspiration. Yet when you compare her teaching with Scripture, it is so contrary. The Bible cannot be true and Christian science be true. Same thing uh, with the, the Mormons. Uh, 
The Bible cannot be true and the Book of Mormon is true at the same time. They contradict each other. Uh, and, and one has to decide who do you follow. And that is why for us, who are orthodox believers who hold to the Christian faith, the book is complete and there's no extra biblical source of authority. There's no extra biblical source of revelation. Uh, the Old and New Testament brings everything to a closure. One thing that I've noticed as a consistency of all these different religions or cults that we've been talking about is that they deny the Trinity. How does the Christian science cult view the Trinity? Well, let me give you some uh, some quotes here uh, again. I'm trying to give the exact uh, teaching that they use uh, for these different uh, doctrines and teaching. What she says about the Trinity um, is that the theory of the Trinity suggests heathen gods rather than the one perfect I am. She also said that belief in the Trinity is hedonism. Uh, so she would discount the Trinity. What is the Trinity to Ellen G. White? Life, truth, and love. To constitute Ellen G. White or Mary so, Baker? Sorry, Mary Baker. What is uh, the Trinity? Life, truth, and love constitutes the triune God and is the triple divine principle. Uh, she also has another triad. Uh, God, the Father, God, the Father, Mother, Jesus Christ, the spiritual idea of sonship, and divine science is the Holy Comforter. That's your Trinity. Pastor, we have a caller from Belmont, Antigua. Thank you for calling, and go ahead. Yeah, we miss hearing you uh, for a while. I'm glad you're calling. Yeah, Pastor, we have a caller from Belmont, yeah, yeah, we're we're to for tonight and your um, conversation and the teaching tonight. So I'm going that you write and check again. Well, I appreciate but anytime that. Anytime I find that I don't agree with you, I'll call you so I don't agree with you, I'll tell you why, right? Yeah. I would do in the scriptures, okay? Okay. Early on, you said that God is not a person, and you're correct. All you would have to do is just check the scriptures where it says, John chapter 4, verse 24, God is a spirit, and yeah. they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Uh-huh. So God is not a human being according to what he is. Like no, no, the I, father. I, I, let me correct. But yet his son, yeah. his son came to represent him as God in the flesh. Yeah. So therefore what I'll do, I'll quote John, John chapter 5, verse 7 here. For there are, for there are, for there are, that, for there are them that be a record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Uh-huh. And they are in that the bear witness in the earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. Right. And these three are a green one. So therefore, God the Father is Jehovah, God the Son is the is, is, is the word that became flesh, and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the spirit. Correct. So right. So on earth now we who are Christians now have the bear record in the water baptism and believe that the blood cleanses us, right? Mm-hmm. And agree with the word that the word became flesh. Yeah. So you're correct. You know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay? Oh, thank you. I just told them the answer that you're on the right track. Thank you. And anytime I say, hear me tell you again, anytime you find that you say something that I don't believe or agree with you, I'm not going to do any come on the radio and say I don't agree in the rude way, right? Yeah, but reason. you have a right. You have a right but if we disagree. That's reason to get yeah. it to the Lord. That's your right. Right. Appreciate yes, that. Lord. You pray for, the, pray for the ministry. Thank you. Thank you very much for that call. We appreciate it. Pastor, we were talking about the teachings of the Christian scientist cult, and you talked about the Trinity and how it's not the Trinity taught in Scripture. Anything else you want to talk about the Trinity before we talk about God? Uh, no, I just think that they have made a, a substitution 
uh, in those three three ways I just mentioned to you, uh, that she is using the the triad uh, of uh, life, truth, and love as the the, the trinity of principles. And then she has also used the idea that the God, the Father, Mother, you know, many call God, Father, Mother, Mother, Father, God, and uh, Christ is a spiritual idea of a son. And then the divine science, which is Christian science, is the comforter. So that's the trinity there as well. <laughs> that's the point I'm making. But it is all a, um, a distortion uh, because the biblical teaching clearly is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we see that in many pieces of Scripture, and maybe some night when we begin to do with biblical doctrines, maybe we can look more clearly what's the evidence for the biblical doctrine of the Trinity. But uh, their teaching is contrary to the Bible. We have a WhatsApp message that's just come in. Uh, you made a reference saying that you didn't know if there was any uh, Christian science or mind science churches here in Antigua, a listener saying that they believe there may be a science of being on Factory Road here in Antigua. I think I must take correction. Uh, I, I, d- I never know if it was a, a Christian science, but I have heard about this uh, science of being church. I have been um, wanting to visit it to find out exactly what the teaching is. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we might do that sometime in the future and maybe do a program on it to find out exactly what they believe, what they teach, and is it in harmony with Scripture or contrary to Scripture. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Do you have a question or a comment for Pastor Murphy? We appreciate your interaction. We look forward to it. And there are two ways that you can use your phone to communicate with us. You can call us and be put live on the air. The phone number is 268 462-7420 or you can WhatsApp or text your question to 268-782-1454 again WhatsApp or text 268-782-1454 time across the Eastern Caribbean is 836 you're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse we're broadcasting from the beautiful island of Antigua on 1160 kilohertz AM 92.3 megahertz FM and online at www.radiolighthouse.org. Pastor, what about their views on God? Well, this is strange. Uh, For example, uh, she teaches that Jehovah was a tribal god, idolatry worshipped by uh, by Israel, and they ranked Jehovah with Baal and Moloch and Vishnu and Aphrodite. So, I mean, this is there, and again, this Jehovah God in the Bible is the same God that made man, the covenant God, the one that the Bible talks about again and again, but yet to them, he's a tribal God, an idolatrous God, on par with these other pagan gods. That in itself is enough to say that they're not a Christian. That's why I keep saying I can't figure out why people would want to leave Christianity and become part of a system like this. We have a caller, uh, again, from Belmont, Antigua. Go ahead. Pastor Murphy? Yes, sir. Um, early on, you're speaking about Scientology, right? No, we're talking about Christian science, not Scientology. We did make a uh, reference uh, to Scientology, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the, um, okay, um, one of the, um, the proponents um, proponent of that um, is um, a woman named something, Eddie, right? Uh-huh. Right. I was in um, Boston in, in the 70s, uh, Went to one of the meetings and they presented me one of the books, right? Uh-huh. About health and so on. Mind over matters you were saying earlier, right? Right, right. For passing my comments, just to tell you, matter can't come before spirit. Because the spirit first ever come before matter. 
Uh-huh. Because matter can't create spirit, but spirit can't create matter. Right. Let me repeat again. God is a spirit. He starts from the beginning. So they're teaching that mind over matter is nonsense. Uh-huh. It's nonsense. Yeah. I read the book, you know. As a matter of fact, I didn't even read the entire book they gave me. Because yeah. when he give me a book right past the matter, right? Uh-huh. Anybody who is through the truth, and God is guiding them, can tell you, well, that, that, that's true, they, whatever Hinduism, my Buddhism, however, that is nonsense. Yeah. The mind of a matter, spirit from first, God is a spirit, and God created things from the world, he created matter from his spirit. Yeah. He taught the world into existence by using words, the words that are the key to life. Yeah. Even in medicine, right, you can't make them medicine with a word. No matter who my herb she to pull up away to do and, and synthesize the chemicalized right. You must use words. Words are key to life. Yeah. Have a good night. I know you know you put up from the end and expand on it. Have okay. a good night. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for the call back. We appreciate it. Uh Pastor Murphy. Yeah, I was just dealing with God there. Uh, let me give you some other statements that she said. She said God is incorporeal, which is correct. He's not in body. He's divine, supreme, infinite. He's mind, he's soul, he's principle. The God of Christian science is not a personal God. He's an impersonal force. And uh, he's a principle. And uh, basically that's what they believe. So we, they don't believe in a personal God that you can relate to. Uh, it's, it's you know it's, it's somewhat like the mind sciences today and this this higher consciousness movement that within every person there is a spark of divinity. We just don't know that we are divine, and our whole purpose in life is to try to blend and once again reunite with that uh, global consciousness. So it is part of that kind of a, a higher consciousness philosophy, but it's not new because it goes back to first century uh, Gnosticism that the church was, was faced with and had to deal with, especially in the book of Colossians. Someone sent in some additional information about the Science Bean Center here in Antigua. It's called the Science of Bean Center of Truth, Sydney Walling Drive. And it says the Science of Bean is a Christian metaphysical truth center following the principles taught by Jesus of Nazareth, who became the Christ. And that's key. We'll discuss that in a little bit. The science of being is a Christian metaphysical truth center following the principles taught by Christ or taught by Jesus of Nazareth. Why is it key that they differentiate between Jesus and Christ? Again, uh, it's just like in the first century dealing with the, the, uh, the docetic, and Serentius, this is a part of a, the uh, the the um, Gnosticism. Basically, Jesus is the physical person. Uh, Christ is the God consciousness that meshed with Jesus. So there's a difference between Christ and Jesus. For example, the Gnostic says that Christ never died. That's why John talks about if anyone said that Jesus is not coming to flesh. Um, is, is Antichrist, and that's why John said, uh, "We handle, we feel, and we touch this one." Uh, what what John is def- is is is, is, is uh, dealing with is that Jesus and Christ are the same, uh, and, and what the Gnostic would teach that Christ never uh, died. What happened is that when Jesus died on the cross, Christ left Jesus 
before the man Jesus died but not Christ the, the Christ consciousness went back to be with God the differentiate between the physical man Jesus and this uh, this Christ this God consciousness that actually came upon so this God consciousness came upon Christ when he was baptized and left him before he was crucified. That is first century Gnosticism. And the metaphysics that you have here as well is the same type of teaching that the man Jesus came to such a level that he became so God conscious. So they become became Christ because of God consciousness. That is the era of metaphysical uh, Christianity, which is not Christianity, it's a distortion. So what the Christian science teach about Jesus Christ is not what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ. Absolutely not. I don't have the quote in front of me, but I believe I read somewhere that they say that each one of us has the ability to meet the Christ or to to act on the Christ just as Jesus did. Yeah, again, that's the, again. you take whether it be TM or other any uh, Eastern religion that has come into the Western world with these gurus, it's all basically the same thing, pantheism. That the ultimate reality is spirit. Everything is spirit, whatever it is. And the whole goal of your life is to once again reunite with that global um, universal consciousness so that you lose your identity and you become absorbed back into this Christ consciousness. That basically is the essence of all these mind sciences, uh, whether it be Christian science or whether it be this uh, metaphysical science that they got there uh, in Antigua. What do they teach about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is Christian science because she says Christian science is the, is the comforter That's right. uh, that the Bible talks about. Um, uh, receiving the Holy Spirit, therefore, is enlarging your understanding of Christian science. That <laughs> so uh, uh, this is this is this I'm, is so comical. And I'm so, glad that the Holy Spirit that dwells in me is a whole lot more meaningful <laughs> than just enlarging my knowledge. Yeah, brother, I've said this several times on this program, dealing with these different cults, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When you really look at what is happening and the belief system that is so contrary uh, to the tenets of Scripture, it becomes patently clear to any rational person that there's a mastermind behind the religious confusion of our day. No doubt about that. People cannot embrace this kind of teaching who have been informed with Scripture without there something what I call spiritual darkness and deception. Uh, and it becomes more clearer and clearer and clearer that this is not something just man is doing. This is something that an infernal spirit is designed to create this massive confusion of our times. Are you familiar with any verses in the New Testament or the Old Testament that would speak to this confusion or to this? Uh, yeah, I think if you turn to First Timothy chapter 6.20 uh, and then Colossians 2.8, um, those are two verses that um, I don't know if you want to read them, but you go ahead, please. Yeah, First uh, Timothy six twenty says, "O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called." Correct. Uh, Paul is here warning Timothy again. The word science there really has to do with knowledge, okay. false knowledge. That's what he's talking about. That's what science is about, and he's warning Timothy because. Uh, again, if you read the book of Colossians, uh, he had to deal with the, the Gnostics, he had to deal with the ascetics, he had to deal with Judaism, 
And uh, so the church has been challenged over the centuries. These things that are having now is now a rebirth of these neo-paganistic principles. And the reason why they're becoming so popular is because Christianity has lost its power and its force in the Western world. And these are now becoming the substitutes that people lean on, having gone away from Christianity. Brother, let me just say this. Uh, People are incurably religious. If they turn away from Christianity, they've got to turn to something else. Man is incurably, man is made to worship something. And if he doesn't worship the true God of the Bible, he will worship an idol, but he will worship something. Colossians 2.8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And again, go back to uh, church history. Uh, you remember Thomas Aquinas, the, the great theologian of the Catholic Church. He tried to marry Aristotelism with Christianity. He tried to merge the two together. And that is a problem the church has always had, where they're trying to, to merge the ideas of, of humankind, whether it be Plato or Aristotle or Thales or Socrates, it doesn't matter. The whole idea is to try to blend. And again, it's because we want to appear intellectual. You know, we don't want to be called ignoramuses because we're out of touch of what is the modern uh, trend or tenets of the modern times. And we have caved in uh, in the past, and I think this is what is happening today as well. We've got 11 minutes left in the program. If you have a question, there's still time to get it in. You can WhatsApp or text your question to 268-782-1454. Or if you would rather, you can call and be put live on the air, 268 268- Four six two seven four two zero. Nathan, let me. We talked about God. To talk about the Holy Spirit, let me quote something she said about Jesus because okay. they say they believe in Jesus. Uh, number one, they say that uh, they make a distinction between Jesus and Christ. Christ is the incorporeal spiritual part. Jesus was the offspring of Mary's self consciousness when she was communing with God. The Virgin Mother conceived the idea of God and gave her ideal the name Jesus. Jesus made uh, uh, is not Christ. Jesus is the human man, and Christ is the divine idea. Uh, I got lost halfway through it, that. Uh, listen, I mean, it, it's it's uh, you're playing mental gymnastics here. Yeah, and uh, a lot of this is, as I said, these are a lot of um, not new. These are all Gnostic ideas now resurfacing uh, in, in the 20th century yeah. and being blended. But the danger of it is it's camouflage with Christian terminology so people uh, think we're dealing with a form of Christianity. Time across the Eastern Caribbean is 849. You're listening to That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. We're broadcasting from the island of Antigua. On 1160 kilohertz AM, 92.3 megahertz FM, and online at www.radiolighthouse.org. Real quickly, what do they say about man? Well, man is not matter. Uh, He's not made up of a brain or bones or other material elements because matter doesn't exist. No, I would hope I exist. (laughs) (laughs) Man is not personal. Uh, Man is, in origin, is self-existent and eternal, just like God's eternal. Sorry. Pastor, we have a caller from Nevis. Go ahead. Thank you for calling. Yes, good evening. Good evening, sir. Haven't heard you for a time. I'm so glad to hear you again. Yeah. 
I hear you mention of a book which is called Key to the Scriptures. Yeah, it's, it's actually, uh, it's called uh, Science and Health, Key to the Scriptures. Yes, something like that. Yeah. Now, I see it along with other books on witchcraft in a catalog. Uh, I'm I not surprised. Know, it's, it's a book circulating throughout the Caribbean. Okay. From the United States, from New York. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not surprised because, remember, this is a metaphysical science, and it's um, science of the mind, and uh, I, 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 would, I would believe that it has occultic um, elements to it as well. So I'm not surprised to be found around among those other forms of literature. But yeah, glad when I hear, hear you say it, I wonder if it's the same book. Yes, the same book, uh, Health and yes, Science, Along the with a book they call The Eighteen Absent Years of Christ, where they said Christ went all the way to India and yeah. so on to learn to work miracles and so on. Yeah, yeah. The Eighteen Absent Years of Christ. Yeah. It's part of, the, part of the, the hoax, the deception to try to... Uh, turn people away from the truth is, is a concerted effort to undermine Christianity, and uh, a lot of these, a lot of people, by the way, think that Christians are not aware that these books exist. Uh, yes, I, I knew I knew these books exist for many, many, many years, but Christians have never embraced these things as truth. They're just distortions. Yes. But I appreciate you letting the public know that they're found along with these other occultic books. Yes, they're found along with other occultic books. That Only lately, uh -huh. the, 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 the catalog doesn't um, advertise them. I don't know why. Okay, But okay. The, the book, the catalog still come out. It yeah. comes along with, uh, yeah. with what time to plant your seeds according to the moon and so on. Uh-huh. Okay. What time to cultivate the ground and so on, things okay. like that. Oh, okay, okay. Well, Come out of New York. Okay, thank you for informing the public. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you very much for the call. We appreciate it. Keep listening there in Nevis, and we're glad that we have a good strong signal there in Nevis. Keep encouraging others to listen. Pastor, we're running short on time here, but I want to talk about what do they say about man and sin and the afterlife. Well, we just talked about man uh, and their view of man, that uh, man is neither old nor young. He is neither birth nor death. Uh, again, this is language that makes absolutely no sense to the average person listening. But again, you're dealing here with an occultic uh, blend of uh, with Christianity. And uh, it's not surprising that the moment you say that matter doesn't exist, you've now got to rationalize your way out of this belief system. That's why there's such confusion in the language that they're using when you look at what is actually reality. Uh, so um, so man, is, man is supposed to be total spirit, but it's a malfunction of the mind that we think we're material. Everything is spiritual because that's ultimate reality. Yet we know by, by our senses that matter exists. Um, she dismisses this uh, by some kind of divine fiat that she has, that this doesn't exist. I say it doesn't exist, when in truth, in fact, everybody knows. In terms of sin, there's no sin. She said that in... No in, sin. No sin. Page 447 and Science and Health. She says sin exists only in one's belief. Uh, she says, if the soul could sin or be lost, then God's existence would cease. Now, think about that for just a moment. 
if the soul could sin and be lost, then God's existence would be ceased. The reason why she makes that statement because man is part of God. Yeah. See, so you begin to understand where when you start with an error, <laughs> you have to build other errors. Confusion uh, to, 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 uh, creates confusion. Man is incapable of sin or sickness or death. She said that on page four seven five on science and health. Uh, if God or good is real, then evil, the unlikeness of God, is unreal. I mean, she's using what you call syllogism, a method of reasoning where you've got a premise, a middle, and a conclusion. But again, if your major premise is wrong or your middle premise is wrong, your conclusion is wrong. But she's using that method. Um, she said that Christ came to destroy the belief in sin. Now, imagine that. Christ came to, she said that on page 473 in Science and Health. So he didn't come to die for sin or deal with sin. He came to destroy any kind of belief that there is such a thing as sin. Uh, so she, they totally deny uh, sin. And of course, in doing so, you've denied human accountability, you've denied human judgment, and there's no need for Savior. Yes. We have a caller again. Thank you for calling, and go ahead. Pastor Murphy. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, well, let me tell you something, right? When I hear people speak the truth, right? I get a nice smile and a nice laugh inside my heart, right? Uh-huh. You, you ever been a carpenter? Uh, I do carpentry, but only for myself. Okay, yeah, okay, maybe not commercially, right? Uh-huh. But you hit the nail on the head tonight in this program when you said, um, Jesus Christ didn't crucify the Christ, they crucified the name Jesus, the flesh. Uh-huh. Because the Christ is the anointed one, and it cannot crucify the Spirit of God. Right. Pastor Mercer is a people, right? Because there are many false prophets out there, and they really, and I'm afraid of really, but um, people need to be aware of them. Some months ago, there was a program in another registration where, on the length of season, the pastor was saying that Jesus Christ died spiritually and physically, right? I called him, excuse me, and told him, Jesus Christ died physically, but not spiritually, and he doubted me, and we had the back and forth. Uh-huh. Some, some months after he came back in the radio, right? Uh-huh. You listen? I'm listening. And he reached out to the statement and said, Oh, when Jesus Christ went on his cross, he died um, physically, but he died spiritually. What he should have done, <laughs> he have said, um, I was being corrected. He should have said, no, I'm not being corrected, okay? Mm-hmm. So he was adamant that he was correct. Mm-hmm. So you hit the nail on the head. The spirit of God cannot die, okay? So Christ did. Hello? I think we lost the caller. Thank you for the call, Pastor. Or, excuse me, thank you for the call from Belmont. And uh, we appreciate your interaction on the program and sorry that your phone cut off there. Pastor, uh, real quickly, in the last two minutes of the program, anything else that you want to say about the doctrines of Christian science. Well, there's a lot of things we could say, but I don't want to. I don't think we need to come back to this this uh, this program again to prolong it because I don't think that um, there are many Christian science here in Antigua. But uh, you take the matter of the atonement, which is one of the carnal doctrines of the Christian faith. I mean, the whole of Christianity is about man sinning, man becoming alienated from God, man under divine wrath, God acting in his compassion, his mercy, and his grace, and sending his son to die on the cross so that we can be forgiven and pardoned. Uh, that is a gist of the Christian faith. So the, the cross is, is, is essential in Christianity because it's all about redemption. However, uh, there's something? Go ahead. Yeah, we have a, a caller who had called in and asked a question. They wanted to know what happens when you die? 
Where do you go? You want a man's answer, you want God's answer. Let me give you God's answer, basically. There are one or two places that we go. A person that dies in Christ, the Bible says, absent for the body is to be present with the Lord. So a believer, his spirit goes directly to be with God. His body remains in the grave. And when our Lord returns, he brings the spirit of the believer and the body and reunites uh, and they have the, what is called spiritual resurrection. If a person who is not a believer dies outside of Jesus Christ, you only have to go to Luke chapter 16. It's not a parable. And if it were a parable, a parable teaches truth. And what truth does it teach? That when a man dies outside of Jesus Christ, he goes to a place of eternal torment, and he will suffer the wrath of God because he's refused to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. You either go to heaven or you go to hell. That's the choice. There are no options. There's no limbo. There's no purgatory. There's heaven or hell, and you must decide. Pastor, in summation, is Christian science Christian and is it science? It is neither Christian nor science. It's a camouflage. Thank you very much for joining us tonight on That's Truth. Be sure that you join us next week. We're going to be discussing TM or Transcendental Meditation and what that cult or what that teaching teaches and how it compares to Scripture and the Bible. Have a great week. Have a blessed night. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth. Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.